Welcome back to the Rise of the Rune Lords. We have the Warriors of Light now here in Magnamar, and they have completed their purchases. Aiden is playing Vraskin. Hello. Alex is playing Aristotle. What's up? Nathan is playing Reeton. Hi. And Connor's playing Hugo. <laughs> okay. Um, a mist surrounds the team. There was a few more loose ends you guys wanted to pick up before moving on to the research phase. Yeah, I'm just popping some more gold on an Iune Stone to upgrade uh, my Dusty Prism from a plus one AC to plus two. Plus two, okay. Any of the other things that you upgraded? I upgraded my Ring of Protection plus two to a Ring of Protection plus four, giving me a total of, while not raging, 28 AC. So I'm almost competent. All right. We have the same AC. Nice. Anyone else? <laughs> I picked up a amulet of the blooded. And you're going to swap that out? Yeah. When you need to. What does that do? Uh, each different type of amulet of the blooded grants its where powers from one sorcerer bloodline, but makes him vulnerable to attacks and effects that target creatures with the appropriate bloodline, such as a blood hunting weapon. If creature already has the associated bloodline, the wearer does not gain the abilities listed below. Instead, the effective level of his bloodline powers increases by two. Oh, so it's boosting your bloodline powers. Okay. So the biggest thing is it just increases my breath weapon damage from 18 die 6 DC 25 to 20 die 6 DC 26, and it gives me an extra usage of my breath weapon. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, I'll be swapping that back and forth with my Amulet of Mighty Fists. And then I also picked up 15 Cure Series potions. Oh, that's right. And I got some material components. Ah, yes. Okay. Also to call out, because I had retrained feet last time to get different spells. Yes. So I traded out Acidic Spray for Calcific Touch, which is a fourth level spell that is once per round and may deliver a touch attack that inflicts one die four points of dex damage and slows the target as the spell oh, for one round. That's exactly what uh, Karzuk statue was doing. Yes. Learning from the best. Yeah, I, I, I figured picking it up and having that active while I'm, you know, slapping a bunch of people every round yeah. stack up pretty quick. And then I also picked up the third level spell, Lightning Bolt. Third level spell, Lightning Bolt. Okay. Yeah, which I figured I could just change to Acid. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Okay. That's it. You guys are done shopping, spending all your money. I guess we could do one last check on the magical items before we leave. Sure. Yeah. Wandle, get another uh, week's worth of charge. Yes. Yeah, that's helpful. Four. Not bad. What are we at? 34 out of 50 charges on the uber-charged one. All right. The treasure list is up to date. Not bad. A plus three large field plate. Ooh. Who can the hell wear that? <laughs> Clinton, I want to introduce you to my newest character. He is a uh, Trox heavy armor fighter. <laughs> what is a rub of useful items? Oh, it's got all kinds of little useful items, like ropes and all different kinds of things. A dagger, a bullseye lantern, mirror, pole, hemp and rope, and sack. All of these things are, you can just detach them. That sounds like something a rogue might need, but not me. 
Right. Sounds like a waste of 7,000 gold. That's exactly. But in addition, it has a bunch of other patches. Things like a bag of 100 gold pieces or a wooden ladder or a rowboat 12 feet long. It's just whatever you happen to pull the patches up. Yeah. Don't want it. I like the idea that that you just pull a rowboat out and you're like, ha ha. Uh Yep. Exactly. It's it's just cool. I would like to point out, though, just real quick for the audience, we did a little bit of discussing between what we were playing here. And we were talking about uh, water breathing, and I noticed that there's a wand of water breathing in the treasure list. There is. It has 40 charges. <laughs> that could come in handy for a side quest we should take at some point in our lives. Mm-hmm. Okay. Roger that. All uh, right. So you need to know. Okay. So what do you guys know? You know the words Jinshalast, and you know the words Marmassive. Do you know where these are? Has anyone got enough notes to put that together? I would think Aristotle or Raskin would be the best to ask on that one. Galarian. Okay, I think you're correct. Good start. Can you pinpoint that a little bit better? I'm hearing a bunch of no. Good, good, good. I'm reading. Okay. Place is going to get taken over. I'm going back to Foxy G's. Bye. I'm reading one of the handouts here, okay. and it just mentions Jin Shalast. It doesn't say how to get there. We should probably ask around then. Oh, I'm sure it's common knowledge in Magnamar. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> not, not at all. In fact, <laughs> I don't think even people who live in a city of monuments from ancient Thassalon even know they're Thassalonian. Ah, here we yeah. go. Karzuk city of Zinshalast is now hidden high in the mountains, and when I finally discovered it, I found the spires where his body is hidden to be inaccessible, warded against astral travelers by the occlusion field around the peak of Mahar Massif. Mahar Massif. As long as his rune well is active, I fear even a physical approach would be impossibly deadly. I must determine a way to pierce these wardings, which we have a way to do so now, and to send an agent in my place. No need to risk my own life. Now, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that was uh, Arvaxial. Uh, it doesn't, I think the Varaxis. Yeah, Varaxis. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Who wants to make clones of us and then they can go do our job? <laughs> I suppose that's an opportunity too. <laughs> I feel like I saw what happens when you go down that road. It didn't end well for that one guy. It didn't, no. I do remember okay. when you do that, that you lose all knowledge that you have. So you have to relearn everything. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't all yeah, it was part of. Yeah, it was part of his problem. I mean, Reedon already doesn't know much of anything. He lost some knowledge. He had to relearn. Yeah. Well, some. over that amount of time, it was a lot of knowledge. Well, yes. But what I was going to say is that it's not like he, he was born and like he didn't clone an infant who knew nothing. It was he knew some stuff. It just wasn't everything that he knew. And eventually it ended up killing him. But if we're just doing it once, it'd be fine, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so you know that there's this Thessalonian library under Jorgenfist, right? And it has the the little robot that goes around, the li- little clockworker librarian that helps you. That might not be a bad idea. You also know that there's this, in Sandpoint, there's Brodert Quink. He's this Thessalonian expert. He even knew the old light was a tower called the Hellfire Flume or something like that. Yeah. So he might know something. I say we go to Sandpoint first, have okay. ourselves a drink, talk to that guy. All right. Have ourselves another drink. Here, I have some more information. On frozen mountains, Jin awaits his regal voice, the yawning gates. Keys turn twice, and Sheridan Occult's room forge waits within. 
I think that that same mountain that the Runeforge is in is the same mountain that Jin Shalast is in, or at least nearby. Hmm. And I think the regal voice of Yawning Gates is a clue to that. That's Rhyme Skull, and you saw it. Yeah, I know, but that it's Rhyme Skull is on the mountain of Zin, and Shalast is also, if not on the actual mountain of Zin, then nearby. Okay. Wasn't that the puzzle that we used when we were getting inside of the rune forge? Yeah, I'm just using, I'm reading all the previous handouts to figure out and put, put these pieces together to figure out where it's at. That's what I'm getting from what I'm reading. Frozen Mountain, Jinn awaits. Because Zin Shalas is where we need to go to. Which is on top of Mar Massif. Mar, Mar Massif. Massif. Yeah, but it has the same prefix as Zin the mountain that the Rhyme Skull was on. So they got to be like geographically nearby or they have something in common with that that Zin prefix. If you want to stop by a library and pick up a... Hmm. They probably don't have globes, do they? No. No. Hmm. Maps are difficult to find. Is there a way we can scry based on the information we have? Scrying is on people usually. Okay, not locations. Why don't we just scry on Karzug? Yeah, but the occlusion field. Mm, yeah, you're right. That's it's a true. magical sensor. Observe a creature at any distance. Okay. Would you like to try to scry on Karzug? You also have the artifact quill that allow you to commune. <laughs> we could ask God. Which one? I insist I know the answer to that. <laughs> So once per day, if you concentrate on a specific future goal, event, or activity occurring within the coming week, the Revelation Quill takes over and writes out a short phrase in response, often in the form of a cryptic rhyme or omen, much in the same way the divination spell functions. And then once per week, you may use the Quill in the same way to cast Contact Other Plane, asking up to 10 questions of the mysterious intellect that guides the Revelation Quill. Since you have yet to use them, both are available to you. What do you think, guys? Not a bad idea. Not terrible, no. Why not? All right. What questions do we want to ask that we could work off of with a cryptic answer? What's the next part in our game? How do we move the story forward? It's like I'm, I'm spamming X. Why isn't it just skipping the conflict? Get to the fight. Where's Marv Masef? Yeah, ask where Marv Masef is. But it's on the mountain of Zinshalast. Okay, it's advice in reply to a question concerning a specific goal, event, or activity that is to occur within a week. For example, if we move on to the second level, would we do well to go into the next thing? And then it would tell you uh, some cryptic thing like, uh, bring oil and, and a torch for the best success. Go home, stop adventuring, drink your Ovaltine. Right. Why does it always say that? <laughs> right. So... That's the divination port. Contact other plane is 10 yes, no, maybe, never, irrelevant, or some other word and word answer to brief questions. Yeah, I, I think we should just ask the old man who specializes in this stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah let's go to Sandpoint, talk to that guy. So off to consult with Brodert. We can either teleport there or we can just all fly there. Whichever method you go, it won't. I'm not going to concern myself. You have the means. So okay. you whisk yourselves away to Sandpoint and go c consult Brodert. And you knock on his door, and he, the little old man, Oh, hello! Oh, that's my my home research team. How, how are things going? I, I haven't seen you since the Skinsaw murders. How's it going? How do you recognize all of us? But anyway, we're doing great. You know, we lost and gained some party members. 
This is Fraskin. He died before. He's back. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm quite up to date with all that's happened. I, I've, I've been um, uh, researching all of your exploits. I'm quite quite up up to things. And In fact, I, you are my... Uh, <laughs> I'm very friendly with all of you indeed, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Does somebody with more charisma want to talk to this guy? Ah? Uh, ah? Uh? Yeah, I'm pulling my character sheet up. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to find a, what, Ginchalast? Marmasaf or Ginchalast. Yeah. Marmasif or Ginchalast. Maharmasif is a peak. Yes. Ginchalast is a fortress buried within. And uh, no, 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 it, it is not. No, no, you are mistaken. No, Ginchalast is as much a legend as to any other scholar of things going Thassalonian, yet. Hmm, I, he's, he goes thoughtful for a second. He snaps his fingers as he remembers. I remember an old account of a pair of dwarven brothers who claimed to have discovered the route to the fabled city. It's a city of gold, by the way. It's amazing. They're paved with gems. And it's, just, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable wealth. Let's see. Hmm. And he begins to root through his books and scrolls for a few minutes. Aha! He emerges triumphant with a letter he received from the author of the Definitive Cyclopedia on the region of Russia and the Storval Plateau. His name is Seville Redwing Charms, and it's his well-known and well-criticized volume, Eidolon. Hmm, let's see. Yes, here, here. And he hands you the letter. All right. Salutations, Mr. Gonk? Ah, oh, you can't read. It's Quank. 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 Mr. Quank. Thank you again for the kind words and drink. It's always been a pleasure to speak with readers of my work, especially those well-read and civilized enough to know my writing beyond Eidolon. Alas, I was unable to procure a copy of the early draft for my personal files. It would seem that it has gone the way of so much of my early work, lost forever to the gulfs of time and narrow-minded publishers unable to grasp the import of a young Pathfinder's work. Fortunately, my mind is as quick now as it was in those early days of my explorations of your fantastic homeland. I recall the evening I first heard the story of Zinshalast. While seated in a log of Varician camp, sharing ruby mead with an enchanting young woman. Ah, but that's a story for another time. I was intrigued by the tale, though. All peoples have tales of cities of gold, yet with Zinshalast, the Varicians have no tradition of explorers seeking it. They viewed the place as one of an end. Evil. A place to be f- evil. evil. Oh, sorry, some of these are a little wonky. Scripted. Yep. A place to be feared and forsaken. As far as I could tell, none of your uh, indigenous people ever sought out the ruins before the advent of Chelish rule. But there was mention, come to think of it, of two dwarven brothers. Vecker, I think their names were, claimed to have found the route to Zinshalast and convinced several tradesmen on Yanderhof to support and supply their plan to establish a base of operations on the low Kodar Mountains along the Karazan. I, I think that's Kazaron. 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 Okay. Yes. Sorry, my, my Thessalonian is a little wonky. They're vanishing into the Kodar's bankrupted all but one of their ancestors. Investors, I believe that says. Oh, investors. In, mm. Investors. Investors, I hear. And even today, the Vecker name is generally accompanied by a litany of rousing dwarven profanity when it comes up in Hoffman Taverns. In the set of enclosing a copy of an early complete draft of my work, though, please find a signed copy of Eidolon with this missive. I trust it will look quite handsome on your shelf. In good health, Red Wing. Oh, and indeed it is. And he shows it up and he's quite proud. 
Oh, yes. Handsome, isn't it? Quite impressive, sir. Yes, yes. I'll eat it. There you have it. All right. So, we have two dwarven brothers, Silas and Karavek Vecker, who journeyed into the Kovar Mountains and supposedly discovered the route to Shinchalast. Hmm. I have done my own research and can confirm that Silas and Karavek Vecker did indeed abscond with a fair amount of invested capital into the mountains. The common theory in Yanderhof is that the dwarves used the discovery of Jinchirast as a cover for a con, but those who knew the Vekkers personally held them in quite high regard. I suspect they did indeed discover Jinchirast, and their secrecy was one born of necessity rather than malice. For if they had discovered the great city until they could return with the proof, it would only be wise to discard the discovery. I theorize that the Vekkers met some sort of foul end in the Kodars. That if their base of operations could be found, which is along the banks of the Kazaran River, according to Redwing's letter there, perhaps clues to the city's location could be found therein. Oh well, let me know how it goes. See you later. Whoa, whoa. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you immensely. <laughs> yeah. All right, just let me re- write all about it. Oh, and by the way, is the old light a hell form, fu- hell, hellfire forge fume? What is it called? The Hellforge. Wasn't that the Hellforge? Something. Hellfire Forge. Flume. I know that words. The Hellfire Flume. That's probably it. Yes. It is indeed? Yes. I knew it. We'll say yes. The Hell something or otherwise, indeed. I knew it. I'm going to write a sternly worded letter to all my critics. That'll show them. And he begins immediately. Yeah. Okay. Well, you need to find out where the Hell... Or, I'm sorry, Kodar Mountains are. That's the next thing I was going to ask. We should probably see if he has a map or something before we go. Brayton buys a map. Okay, here's a map of Barissia. All right. Mm-hmm. But in the upper right-hand corner, there's a Kazavan River way up here. Yeah, let's go up to the Kazavan River, guys. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to imagine that Aristotle is not super familiar with that area. Probably not, no. Right, so you need overland travel like wind walk or shadow walk. Those will make the trip very easy. I mean, I have my magic carpet. and Yeah, and your team can ride on that magic carpet with you. Can you show me the world, Reeton? Shining, shimmering, splendid, yes. <laughs> uh, my, the problem is mine can only carry 400 pounds, so it can only carry me. <laughs> <laughs> the 60,000 GP one can carry 800 pounds. But yeah, it's 60 feet... Mm-hmm. So I can carry it can carry up to double its capacity, but doing so reduces its speed by uh, to thirty feet. So okay, you're covered. I think that it would be best. I'm good. I literally have spell for it so that I can cast yeah. on people. Overland flight. Yeah, I can cast it on you guys. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, never mind. It's target you. Oh, personal. Okay. Yep. I could overland flight for fifteen hours. Well, I mean, Fraskin has wings. Yep. Right. Yep. Ninety foot fly speed. Yeah, so we've we've got this. Uh, it says that the rug is able to fly through the air as it is affected by overland flight spell of unlimited duration. Mm-hmm. So it might not be sixty. What is overland flight only forty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has it has a specific thing here though. It says when using the spell for long distance movement, you can hustle without taking non lethal damage. This means you can cover sixty four miles in an eight hour period of flight. Okay. That's really good. Okay, so it'll take you. It's a still a long trip. It'll take you about three weeks. I estimate. Because what we're okay. going from Sandpoint up to mm-hmm. where? 
it's about 550 miles or so. So what? isn't there somewhere nearby that I would know about that it can actually teleport us to and cut that travel down time? There's Erglin full of orcs. That doesn't seem like a good idea. Siltspur, that's Shawanti. You haven't been to Jorgenfist, I don't think. Maybe Turtleback Ferry. No, that was that was before you. Yeah, I mean Magnamar is kind of. That's less than half the distance, at least. So that's eight. Well, that's only eight days, eight and a half days. So that's not so bad. Yeah. If we teleported to Rhyme Skull, that cut it down by 200 miles. Yeah. And we all have rings of sustenance, so it doesn't. Yeah. That part doesn't matter. It'd be five days instead of eight if we teleported to Rhyme Skull. Okay. Teleport to Rhyme Skull, and then we'll fly the rest of the way. Cut it down to five days. It is going to be probably cold up there. Casting teleport. All right. 27. You succeed, and you arrive at Rhyme Skull. Woof. And begin the flight eastward. All right. After six days, you arrive, making sure that you avoid all encounters along the way. We look down and we see a, a pack of 100 goblins. <laughs> Eight harpies. That looks like a level's worth of experience. <laughs> Let me see here. We're just flying along. And do you guys see that down there? All of a sudden. A black maga. <laughs> what? Do, what are they doing in this hellscape? <laughs> you guys are funny. Ooh, are we going to fight some giants? Oh, yeah. We're going to fight some giants. Okay. You arrive here at the Kazaran River. And then when you reach the fork, make a local or geography to know which branch of the river to take. Hugo has a rank in geography. We're dead. Roll it. Hugo got a 17 without guidance. Uh, an 18 with guidance, that would be enough to know that the right fork is the Kazaran River. My king says right. All right, let's go to the right then. Oh, well, I, I guess we're just going to fly. And right about here, a cabin. How cozy looking. I'm like 90% sure that token is Lincoln Logs, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. Okay, you have arrived. All right. Is anybody else here? You are in the far north, and it's very cold. It's winter time, and the weather, baseline temperature for the climate is cold, ranging from 20 degrees Fahrenheit in the winter to 30 degrees Fahrenheit in the spring and fall months to 40 in the summer. So right now it's 20 degrees baseline. Eh, you're about 1,000 miles south, so it's not quite polar. Yeah, 2,000 miles from the pole. You're definitely in cold climate. Okay. The elevation is highland. This is uh, 500 feet uh, the, actually, it's the lowlands. So hmm, let me see. Double check that. While you're checking that, the second it gets even a little bit nippy, Hugo casts into your elements on himself. Now's the time. Yeah. This is definitely a cabin in snow. There's always snow here, almost permafrost on these hills uh, leading into the mountains. And it turns from hills to mountains almost immediately. Can you cast it on the rest of us? I only know how to cast it on myself, unfortunately. Uh oh. Have you considered praying to the king in yellow? No. I think I'll be okay, probably. So we need to decrease the baseline temperature in the highlands by 10 degrees. So it's now 10 degrees. Okay. And it will only get colder as we go up. We'll be okay. I have an idea. Oh. What's that? For those of us who have problems with the cold, if we can find an animal to uh, like kill, I can cast Fabricate to turn it into cold weather clothing. I mean, you could do that. Do we have any of those ever-burning skulls or anything still, or a torch? I have a torch, but I think it specifically says it doesn't generate heat, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Yes, it's a ever-burning torch, and that does not create heat. Okay. I cast Flame Strike every once in a while. 
All that time in Magnamar, you guys didn't think it might be a little chilly? Come on. Well, I mean, I've never been up here. I didn't know how cold it was going to be, okay? It's not cold in Magnamar. Yeah. It's kind of chilly in Magnamar. It's winter, right? It is winter, yes. But Magnamar's pretty warm. Yeah. Oh, no, it's been nippy outside in Magnamar. Currently, there's a snowstorm going on. It is extremely cold. Extreme cold means minus 20, and it deals a dice six points of lethal damage per minute. No save. All right, so let's go hang out in the cabin. You guys are not prepared for this? Okay, do that. <laughs> Hugo's going to magically alter his clothes to be like a swimsuit. <laughs> who do we have to kill in the cabin? I mean, who do we have to greet in the cabin? Okay. In addition, the characters must make a deep fortitude save, DC 15 plus one per previous check, or take a die four points of non-lethal damage every minute. Those wearing metal armor or coming into contact with cold, very cold metal are affected as if by the chill metal spell. So picking up your cold swords and weapons. So if you aren't prepared to defend yourself against the cold, this is going to be very bad very quick. Well, yeah, let's go into the cabin, boys. Okay. There's more. A character who has a survival skill may receive a bonus on your saving throw and may be able to apply this bonus to other characters as well. Characters wearing winter clothing only need to check once per hour for cold and exposure damage. When you take non-lethal damage from cold or exposure, you are beset by frostbite or hypothermia, and you are treated as if fatigued. These penalties end when the character recovers the non-lethal damage you took from the cold and exposure. Non-lethal damage from cold or exposure cannot be recovered until the character gets out of the cold and warms up again. Once the character is rendered unconscious through the accumulation of non-lethal damage, the cold and exposure begin to deal lethal damage at the same rate. So, is there any protection other than Hugo? Who else is affected by the cold? I think everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can I blink? That will mitigate half of the damage. Yeah, let's do that. Lethal points. Everybody takes a point of lethal. One point. Yeah, just one point. What's wrong, guys? You all look cold. And then everyone make a fortitude save. 33. Oh, whoops. Uh, Sorry, ignore that one. I accidentally informed the dragon up. I mean, that's one way to survive the cold. Aristotle got a 30. Okay. Rassing got a 33. Okay, so you guys are good for now. And I rolled a 35 survival check just in case anybody failed. That way I could help them. The cabin in the woods. The cabin in the wilderness, yes. Gonna hit Reeton with a snowball. All Throw right. it. Actually, oddly enough, even going form of the dragon doesn't give me immunity to the cold. Could you become a white dragon or do you have to become a black dragon? So if I use the spell itself, I can become any type of dragon. If I'm using it through my bloodline powers, it specifically has to be black. And I can't actually cast Form of the Dragon as a spell, uh, except using it from a scroll. So Maybe in between episodes, I'll review my summon list. Maybe one of them has the solution for that. If for some reason Hugo can't cast a spell, he could always just become like a polar bear or a penguin or something like that. I mean, how long would it take us to become familiar with like a the cabin and then just teleport back to Magnamar really quick and then back out here. That's probably what we're going to end up having to do if we can find a way to survive that long. Maybe we'll find a blanket in here or some fireplace. It'd be a good start. Yeah. Okay. There you see the cabin as you approach. There's an old dead tree to the south of the cabin. Uh, This is an odd cabin. It's built of split logs cemented with a rough mortar and shingle roof. The logs and shingles are decades old, and a profusion of lichens grow on the walls, giving it a strangely organic look. Each window is two feet high and two feet wide, and has double shutters to aid in keeping out the cold. 
The cabin itself sits low in a valley in the Kodars at an altitude of merely 4,500 feet. So all the stuff that I said is in play. Sure glad you said it. Me too. Okay, so let's see. Apparently, these brothers constructed their cabin perched defensively at the edge of a 60-foot-high cliff. The dwarves then constructed a spiraling stair and pulley and bucket system leading directly up the cabin from the base of the cliff. They encased in a wooden shaft made of the same mortared logs and built a small storage shed and an addition at the base of the stair where the mined ore could be separated from the worthless gangi before going through all the trouble of hauling it up to the cabin. Okay, so this place goes, like, up then. Yeah, so this is the base here, and then there's uh, an area up at the top of the 60-foot cliff where the main cabin resides at the top of the cliff, and then there's this shaft that goes down 60 feet to this area down here at the bottom. Imagine a very short Game of Thrones situation where you have a, a castle at the base and a castle at the top, and then there's this ladder kind of thing in the middle. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the cabin. That's a good idea. Yeah. Who wants to lead the way? Got it. Uh, I will. Okay. So I'll fly up to the base of the cabin. I'll be about 10 feet behind you. All right. You can see to the north here that there's a kind of a what looks to be a pathway around to the north there. And then you see this old tree, and there's some old tailings over here. In fact, I can even describe that area that you're approaching. Yeah, sure. A split log tower abuts the cliff face and rises from a workshop on ground level to a larger cabin perched on the cliff's edge, 60 feet above. The rough wooden structure is so overgrown with lichen as to almost appear an extension of the rock face. The ground to the south of the lower structure is a steep embankment over which a chute protrudes from the structure's southern wall. At the base of the embankment is a large pile of fine black sand that spreads out in a deposit striated by years of erosion. The ground surrounding the pile is barren of any plant life, with the exception of a single sagging pine tree. Faint traces of a footpath lead to the workhouse doors, although it is obvious none have come this way in many years. And off in the distance... Let's see, who rolled... Hugo, your keen ears hear the sound of an elk, but it's it's got a, a lower tone to it. It sounds haunting. Uh, hold on, guys. Did anyone else hear that? Hear what? Hear what, huh? Hear what? Like a scream, but a howl. No one else did. Nope. I'm not sure how familiar Hugo that. would be with elk. Probably not very familiar. Let's go investigate it. It's ha- Has anyone... Any of the players heard an elk call before? It's kind of a whistle. Yeah, yeah, I've heard elk calls. Dude, I, I live in the desert. <laughs> so that's a yes. That is a hard no. Hard no. Are you asking the characters or the... The players. It's like that, that Wendigo screech kind of sound. Uh, right. Okay, gotcha. It's interesting you guys know the Wendigo screech more than an elk. I've watched Supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, lo- it sounds like an elk... Some sort of haunting whistle growl. Let's let it come to us, yeah. Do you have knowledge of the planes, Hugo? Oh, fuck yeah. Try to see what that might sound like. Oh, I don't like that, though. <laughs> a wooga. Wait, that's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hugo got a, a one for 23 <laughs> knowledge planes. You don't know what it is. He might be a little spooked out at the sound of it. He's a little a little spooked out. Okay. Okay, well, it, if I see Hugo start shaking, yeah. I'm immediately going to pop Form of the Dragon 1. Okay. So that lasts 14 minutes. Okay, so 
14 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So you, you turn into a dragon and the rest of you get ready for whatever this cabin holds for you because we'll come back next time on Rise for the Rune Lords. Rise for the Rune Lords? I don't know what I said. <laughs> Try that again. We'll come back on Rise of the Rune Lords. Nailed it. Say goodbye, everyone. Everyone, rise for the Rune Lords. <laughs> <laughs> Reach for the Rune Lords. <laughs> yes, you should be. Oh, man, you guys. I'm a dragon. Oh. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>